Welcome to the Shortwave Report. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. This Shortwave Report is a 30-minute review of news and opinion heard on the shortwave radio and the internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcast at home is quite easy. You just need a shortwave radio with the schedule of English language broadcast or a computer or smartphone with an internet connection. To help you with this, I'll announce times, frequencies, and website addresses at the conclusion of each series of stories. At the website for this show, that's outfarpress.com. You can listen to the past five shortwave reports, find advice for listening to shortwave at home, and find internet links for global news sources. Please check it out and tell a friend. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from France 24, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, NHK Japan, and Radio Havana Cuba. We will begin with France 24. At the United Nations, a number of countries raised concern over police violence in France, both at the recent May Day protest and in the treatment of minorities and migrants. France 24. Several countries today have voiced their concerns at the United Nations about police violence in France, including violence against protesters. Sweden, Denmark and Norway were among the countries raising concerns during what's known as a universal periodic review. That's a process that all 193 UN nations must undergo every four years. Russia and Iran also joined the chorus of voices today criticising France and among the issues raised, the police treatment of migrants, racial profiling and religious intolerance as well. Well, let's go to Geneva and talk to John Zarakostas and get a bit more on what's happened today. John, let's talk about um, what c concerns are being raised by these countries about excessive police violence, first of all. What's been said about that in particular? Well, uh, thank you. It's quite, uh, quite a cross-section of countries that zoomed in on this uh, current problem in France, from uh, friendly countries in Europe and North America to countries that are traditionally hostile to Western countries, such as Iran. But uh, the, the key point was uh, calls for transparent investigations about excessive use of force by police enforcement of, uh, and other enforcement authorities, uh, by Sweden, and the Swedish uh, delegation said they must have investigations in a transparent manner. Uh, Denmark went a bit even further, and they suggested that France explore options for effective measures to provide better safeguards for the freedom to demonstrate, such as re reviewing the police doctrine. So that was quite, quite something coming from Denmark. Also, Canada raised the issue of police profiling, and that is, they said, a question of systemic racial discrimination. And other countries raised the similar issue, including Japan, and later the United States raised a whole issue of, on racism and anti-Semitism and anti-Muslim hatred going on in France. Indeed. So the police in France under significant scrutiny then over, as you say, issues like race, racial profiling, uh, the way that protests are handled, anti-Semitism as well. How significant is it that France is, um, is, is under this kind of scrutiny on the international stage, do you think? 
this is standard. All countries that are, are reviewed by their peers uh, have their turn at having the spotlight put on them, warts and all. So this is uh, fair. And uh, France accepts uh, this review and is open to all the mechanisms of the UN system. It has an open invitation to visit France and investigate whenever they want. Actually, the Minister for Gender Equality, Diversity and Equal Opportunity, Isabelle Combi, Rome, she said to the session at, at the closing end of the review that racism and anti-Semitism are a poison to the republic. Very strong words, highlighting that the problem is big. John Zarakostas, thank you very much. That report was from France 24. France 24 may be easily found at their website, france24.com, as well as a YouTube channel called France 24 English and most major podcast sites. Next, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. In France, the annual May Day celebration was also a protest against President Macron and saw significant violence from civilians and police. Meanwhile, in the United Kingdom, there are the most significant labor strikes in decades, including nurses, teachers, and other public sector workers. Ukraine used attack drones to set off massive oil terminal fires in Crimea. In Moscow, two attack drones reached the Kremlin before being taken out. Ukraine denies involvement in the attack, and Russia says the U.S. orchestrated it. Japan and France signed a cooperation agreement to speed up development of next-generation nuclear reactors. Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. We begin tonight in France with a fresh wave of anger against President Emmanuel Macron's pension and retirement reform plans. Hundreds of thousands joined traditional May Day demonstrations today to condemn the plans, which would see the minimum retirement age raised by two years to the age of 64. The country's interior minister says that more than 100 police officers were injured in clashes with protesters nationwide. Clashes with police, smashed windows. Paris is once again alight as angry people protest unpopular plans to push the minimum retirement age to 64. Those marching here say this is a mayday call for workers' rights. We don't want to die working, we want to live and see our children and grandchildren grow up and enjoy it because we'll have worked all our lives. Young people, it's, a, it's very important for us to be here because our generation that will suffer the consequences of this policy. Hundreds of thousands turned out across the country. Much of the frustration here is directed toward President Emmanuel Macron, who says the reform is needed to keep the pension system financially viable. But the French leader's approval ratings have plummeted. And this analyst says there's only one winner here. Looking at opinion polls and vote projections, this all tends to benefit populist extreme right parties like the National Rally because they symbolize anger towards Emmanuel Macron. There has never been such a swift drop in the French president's popularity. And that's what's problematic, because he has four years left in power and it will be complicated for him to pass any new reforms. The pension law is now moving ahead, and some think this May Day mobilisation is the movement's last gasp after multiple nationwide strikes. But these Parisians say they'll keep up the pressure, 
and the fallout from this political battle may be felt for years to come. Could tensions be lowering in the UK after months of labour strikes? Well, the British government said Tuesday it will implement a new pay deal covering more than a million nurses after a majority of unions voted for the offer. However, other nursing unions have rejected the deal, while teachers' unions are talking about ratcheting up their walkouts this year. With the UK government resistant to union demands so far, May looks like it could be a busy month for strikers. Hundreds of thousands of public sector workers have been taking part in strikes in recent weeks, with many more industrial actions planned. It's one of the strongest strike waves in the United Kingdom in decades. Persistent double-digit inflation and the back-breaking cost-of-living crisis continue to take a toll on the lives of the millions in the UK. Cost of transport is more expensive each year. Um, my salary is going down with inflation going up. Food bills are rising. Um, our, our weekly food bill has more than doubled uh, in the last year. Uh, and it's just no longer affordable. It's not only health workers. Teachers are also organizing coordinated strikes as they seek to increase pressure on the government in a dispute over pay. The government needs to listen. It's just not good enough. We can't let this continue. We can't, you know, we shouldn't have to keep going on strike to make a government listen. Um, situation is bad. They need to come to the table. They need to listen to people who know what they're talking about. The National Education Union has called for two strikes in recent weeks, affecting 22,000 schools. The action comes after the NEU rejected a pay offer. The UK government is criticising the Labour actions, saying they are not doing any good. It's incredibly disappointing that the unions are going on strike. Strikes do, do not add any value, they only cause damage, and particularly to those young people that you were talking about. Other public sector workers are now adding their voices to those of the nurses and teachers, saying enough is enough. And this is going all the way to the Crown itself. Even parking attendants in Westminster are set to strike this week, including on the day of the King's coronation on Saturday, after a new pay offer was rejected. But the ceremony looks like it will be quite a spectacle, no matter the circumstances. Authorities in Russian-occupied Crimea say a massive oil terminal fire was caused by a Ukrainian drone attack. Kyiv does not deny the claim. Both sides appear to be stepping up airstrikes before a long-awaited Ukrainian counteroffensive. Moscow installed authorities at the port of Sevastopol say they brought the fire quickly under control. But not before the blaze burnt through tons of oil products. Kyiv did not claim responsibility for the attack. Ukraine's military intelligence chief said a higher power was at work claiming the incident was God's punishment for an earlier wave of Russian airstrikes on Ukraine. Those strikes were the first large-scale air attacks on Ukraine for almost two months. Ukraine's president again called on Western allies to supply more air defences. Russia has accused the US of orchestrating a drone attack on the Kremlin that it claims was carried out by Ukraine on Wednesday. Moscow says the incident was an attempt to assassinate President Vladimir Putin, adding that sabotage attacks by Kyiv had 
reached unprecedented momentum. Ukraine has denied any involvement in the drone attack. I'm joined now by our Riga bureau chief, Yuri Rischetto. Since our studio in Russia is blocked by Russian authorities, our Russian service has located to the Latvian capital. What strategic interest, Yuri, does the Kremlin have in blaming the U.S.? I think uh, Russia has never made a secret uh, of the fact that uh, this war is actually also a war against the West and, above all, against the USA. Uh, right from the start, uh, the Russians demanded negotiations about the new security architecture, as they call it, and security guarantees after NATO's eastward expansion, not with Kyiv, but with Washington. And uh, the Kremlin wanted to speak to the White House on an equal footing, on an equal level, uh, and that's why Russia takes every opportunity to blame America. And Russian propaganda has long claimed that the government in Kyiv is just a puppet government and that the real decision makers sit in the USA. Yuri, thank you for now. That was our correspondent in Riga, Yuri Rochetta. Japan and France have signed a nuclear cooperation agreement to speed up development of next-generation reactors. They also aim to improve the safety of existing reactors. The declaration also covers their decommissioning the disabled Fukushima nuclear plant. Those reports were from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, which may be heard at a combined audio-video website, DW.com, as well as on YouTube at their channels called DW News and DW Documentary. On to NHK World Radio Japan. The Japanese government lifted evacuation orders on a small village 30 kilometers from the Fukushima nuclear power plant, which experienced a meltdown 12 years ago. Joe Biden told the Philippine president that the U.S. commitment to defending his country was ironclad and that more military assistance was on the way. Philippine President Marcos Jr. then revealed plans to have an American firm build the first nuclear reactor in Southeast Asia. NHK conducted a poll among Japanese citizens about amending its constitution. 64% of the respondents opposed changing Article 9, which outlaws the nation going to war. NHK Japan. The Japanese government has lifted evacuation orders for parts of a village near the crippled Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant. Residents have waited 12 years since the accident to return there. This area in Itate village is located about 30 kilometers from the nuclear plant. Entry was severely restricted after the March 2011 accident. It reopened on Monday morning. I've been waiting for this moment for 12 years. Finally, we can enter freely. I'm still not sure what I'll do since I can't see the future. I'm thinking of renovating my home and living in it. About 330 square kilometers of land in Fukushima Prefecture was designated as a difficult-to-return zone. Evacuation orders have been lifted only for the area shown here in blue. U.S. President Joe Biden has told his Philippine counterpart Washington's commitment to defending the Philippines is ironclad. His reassurance comes amid China's increasing maritime activity. Biden and Ferdinand Marcos Jr. held talks Monday at the White House. 
You told me that uh, that a strong alliance has to continue, quote, and this is your phrase, to evolve as we face the challenges of this new century. And we are facing new challenges. The region where the Philippines is uh, possibly, arguably, the most uh, complicated geopolitical situation in, in the world right now. The leaders later issued a statement underscoring their commitment to freedom of navigation and overflight in the South China Sea. They also stressed the importance of maintaining peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait. Biden and Marcos said their nations are adopting new guidelines to boost defense cooperation through closer intelligence sharing and speeding up the development of military capability. The joint statement mentioned the countries hope to include Japan in trilateral cooperation. Washington and Manila have recently been stepping up their security cooperation. In February, they reached a deal for the U.S. military to use four additional bases in the Philippines. Their militaries also held their first joint live-fire drill last month in the South China Sea. Philippine President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. has revealed plans to build the first nuclear energy facility in Southeast Asia. Marcos met with officials of nuclear technology firms developing small reactors in Washington on Monday. U.S.-based New Scale Power Corporation is developing small module reactors. They are set to generate less electricity per unit and save costs. Company officials reportedly presented a plan for a site survey to Marcos. Marcos said U.S. President Joe Biden agreed in Monday's summit meeting that the Philippines will receive U.S. support for the project. The Philippines is struggling with chronic power shortages as its population continues to grow. The country relies on coal-fired power plants that account for about 60 percent of, of its electricity supply. An NHK poll on Japan's constitution shows a majority of respondents in favor of amending it. But opinions are split over revising Article 9, which says the country renounces war. NHK conducted the poll last month ahead of the anniversary of Japan's post-war constitution on May 3rd. The random phone survey targeted nearly 3,300 adults. About half of them responded. 35% of the respondents say the Constitution overall needs to be revised, while 19% said it does not. The ratio was virtually the same as last year. As for their reasons, 54% said a revision is necessary to deal with the changing security environment surrounding Japan. People also cited reasons related to Japan's right to self-defense, privacy, and environmental rights. But 64% of respondents say they're against the amendment because they want to preserve Article 9. The article stipulates Japan will never maintain land, sea, and air forces as well as other potential means to wage war. Other respondents say the Constitution protects basic human rights and an amendment would hurt relations with other Asian countries. On Article 9, 32% said an amendment is necessary, while 30% said it is not. The ratio was about the same as in last year's poll. Professors on both sides explained their take on the result. The articles of the Constitution have been politically interpreted so far. But amid the war in Ukraine and rising tensions in neighboring countries, people may be starting to question if Japan can really deal with those situations if the Constitution stays unchanged. 
I feel Article 9 is the last support for maintaining the Constitution. If the article is amended, the proportional balance between the ideology of war and the idea of coexistence may be reversed. I feel that concern when I see the current atmosphere surrounding Japan. The poll also asked about the government's decision to acquire counter-strike capabilities against missile launch bases. A quarter of respondents said the decision violates Article 9, while 20% said it does not. Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan. They are now heard from 9.30 to 10 p.m. at 9.865 or on the web at www.3.nhk.or.jp. They also podcast at most sites. All the times I announce are for Pacific Daylight Saving Time, so please adjust them to your time zone. If you have questions or comments about the shortwave report or could assist me by supporting this listener-funded program, I may be reached through the website and PayPal or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California, 95490. Please help me continue producing this weekly show, which I freely distribute to radio stations and the Internet. Many, many thanks to everyone who has contributed. We will conclude with Radio Havana, Cuba. Journalists with Reporters Without Borders were denied access to visit Julian Assange in the UK maximum security prison, where the United Nations has concluded in 2019 that he is being psychologically tortured. Venezuelan President Maduro repudiated the U.S. government decision to seize the assets of Citgo Oil Company and give them to the opposition political party that the U.S. supports. For the 16th consecutive week, hundreds of thousands of Israelis protested Netanyahu's judicial reform. Radio Havana, Cuba. Two journalists with the NGO Reporters Without Borders were recently denied access to Julian Assange in a UK prison. A political prisoner being held in Belmarsh Prison in London, Assange was granted a visit duly authorized by prison authorities, but it was cancelled when the two visitors arrived at the prison. Reporters Without Borders Secretary General Christophe Delois and its director of campaigns Rebecca Vincent tried to visit him in Belmarsh but the prison authorities did not allow them in. The Italian newspaper Il Fatto Quotidiano spoke with Rebecca Vincent after their denial to visit Julian Assange. They said that they had received intelligence that we are journalists and therefore would not be allowed in. We said, okay, there must be a misunderstanding. Reporters Without Border is an NGO and we are following prison rules here as an NGO. We are visiting him as any of his other visitors would. But they said the decision was taken by the prison governor and the only thing we could do was to write a complaint to an email address they gave us. We did write an email to the complaint address, an urgent one. We called Julian's lawyers, we tried several things, but it was early in the morning and no one could reach the prison governor. The whole purpose of this denial to visit Julian Assange is to isolate him, to break him down and make him disappear from the radar of public opinion. The president of Venezuela, Nicolas Maduro, repudiated on Monday the decision of the U.S. government to deliver the company Citgo, 
a subsidiary of the state-owned oil company PDVSA, to a sector of the opposition calling it a blatant robbery. Quote, Today the U.S. government issued a resolution handing over the Venezuelan company CITCO to some people from the opposition of the United Platform of Venezuela, an unworthy resolution, which is a direct message of surrender. They have decided to hand over CITCO to a group of unknown people. The Venezuelan president emphasized that this resolution delivers CITCO Petroleum Cooperation, based in the United States, to the, quote, directive of the former National Assembly, which no longer exists in Venezuela, a group of people that none of us know who live abroad. The U.S. government issues a resolution giving Sitka to them so that they can sell it and do whatever they want, he said. He also made reference to the International Conference on Venezuela held in Bogota on April 25th, recalling that representatives of the participating countries urged the lifting of coercive measures against the South American country. The decision of the U.S. government is a mockery and a slap in the face of the international conference convened in Bogota and the most unanimous request to lift the sanctions against Venezuela, he emphasized. Nicolas Maduro expressed on behalf of all of the Venezuelan people that they reject and repudiate indignantly the robbery of the Citgo company by the United States government and by the Venezuelan unitary platform. He pointed out that the Citgo company has estimated worth more than $8 billion and with more than 10,000 gas pumps in the United States. Quote, a blatant robbery of a company that annually generates more than $1 billion in profits, which is accumulated at least four years without delivering profits to the country as a result of its kidnapping by Donald Trump, he said. It is the battle we must wage for the truth. All the opposition are complicit in this looting and theft of Venezuelan property. Hundreds of thousands of protesters have taken to the streets across the occupied territories for the 16th consecutive week against Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's judicial reforms. One of the biggest rallies on Saturday was held in central Tel Aviv, where crowds gathered in a show of opposition to the unpopular Prime Minister's plan. The Tel Aviv demonstration came ahead of another mass protest planned for the coastal city on Sunday to coincide with Netanyahu's speech to the General Assembly of the Jewish Federations of North America. The weekly protests have continued even after Netanyahu announced a pause on March 27th to allow for talks on the so-called reforms, which were moving through the regime's parliament. Demonstrators held banners with the words Crime Minister overlaid on Netanyahu's face. The protests have already spread to all social strata across the occupied territories. Thousands of officers in reserve units of the regime's military have said they will refuse to report for duty. High-tech business leaders on the security establishment have also come out against the proposal, while trade unions have called for a general strike. According to Israeli media, around 380,000 gathered for the protest, while 165,000 demonstrators in Tel Aviv alone. Other mass rallies were held in cities across the occupied territories. One organizer of the protest told reporters, the public understands that the sword of the dictatorship is still on its neck. Those reports were from Radio Havana, Cuba. Cuba's website is working well at RadioHC.cu, though there are no podcasts.
On shortwave, Cuba may be heard from noon to 1 p.m. at 15140, and from 6 p.m. to midnight at either 606060 or 6165. At their website, you can stream the English version at noon, Monday through Friday, Pacific Daylight Saving Time. I'm still recovering from spinal surgery seven weeks ago, and I truly appreciate your well wishes. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people to listen to international broadcasts, get a global perspective. You will have to look harder these days because of U.S. and E.U. prohibitions on media. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's outfarpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows. Please consider making a safe donation online through PayPal. There's a link at my website along with a podcast link and get advice for listening at home. The shortwave report, which is now in its 27th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. The shortwave report is produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.